Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camero here with episode 44 of the Tutor Podcast. Everything you need to start, grow and love your tutoring business. My guest on the show today is John Cassierice, who's a very dear friend of mine. John is actually the guy who trained me in NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I consider it to be one of the most valuable tools in my teaching and tutoring toolbox. Over the years, the costs of the course have proved to be a tremendous investment for me in that it's enabled me to negotiate more effectively, to teach more effectively, and to effect more transformations for my students and for myself in just about every aspect of life. So I'm going to get out of the way, and John is going to share what he knows about NLP, and we're going to give you the information that you need so you can follow up and get more from John throughout the interview. Enjoy. So, John Cassidy Rice, it's my great pleasure to have you here on the Tudor Podcast today. Thank you, Neil. It's a real pleasure too. Uh, we met actually 12 years ago. Wow, 12 years already. <laughs> yeah. And you just seem to have gotten younger and slimmer, which is an astonishing trip. Uh, trip. I don't think that's to do with LP. <laughs> You're just flattering. <laughs> You're just yeah, well, talking, Neil. <laughs> you want me to say it again? <laughs> so, John... There'll be a lot of people out there who've never heard of NLP. It's a bit of a dark science for some people. So what actually is it? Well, don't let the full name put you off because we've abbreviated it to NLP. It's Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, essentially what that means, neuro, our five senses, our nervous system. Linguistics are the words and gestures that we use. And the programming part is how do we put that together to produce our results? So if we think about this, let's say we've got, we come across two guitarists who were actually taught maybe from the same tutor, uh, have similar backgrounds, been playing the same length of time and interested in the same style of music. One could be good at what they do and one can be excellent at what they do. And in NLP, we ask, what is the difference that makes the difference? And I have a set of tools so that we can unpack that excellence and train other people to think in that same way and have those same behaviours. That sounds absolutely spot on. So where did this actually all originate from? Well, this came out of um, the 1970s down in Santa Cruz, where a lot of experimenting was going on, <laughs> in all sorts of ways. <laughs> so we had um, Richard Band and John Grinder. Now, Richard Band was a mathematician and a musician. Well, I think that is significant because musicians hear things in different ways. And then you had this guy called John Grinder, who was a linguist. And it was the melding between this mathematician, musician, linguist coming together and essentially asking the question, what do people of excellence do? How do people get results? Which is an interesting question. Cool. And I know you're a musician, the same as I am. Another guitar player, you've got that grin on your face, guilt is charged, so I can see this. 
so what actually got you across into NLP? What fired up your interests and how long have you been involved in the field? Well, initially I started off with um, my cousin getting involved in a multi-network marketing scheme and called me up and said, John, can I come around and see you? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can, Joe. And he turns up with flip charts and all sorts of things and tries to sell me on this scheme, which I'm not interested in. But he said, read these books. And so I read some books and it was about personal development, which led me on to reading some NLP books. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, could model some musicians here. And so what I then started to do was getting into understanding how we think, how we process, which accelerated my own musical career. Um, but one thing led to another and I no longer involved in the musical world, um, but I'm now in the training world. And so mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of training NLP and helping people come across, break down limiting beliefs, learning issues, um, create energy and momentum behind what they do. Cool. Now, you've built a, a successful business there. That, what is your business now? Well, so I run uh, an NLP training company. So what we do, we do an introductory course, which is two days where you get to get the groundwork of how to change your beliefs, how to communicate with yourself and others. Then we do something called the NLP Practitioner, which is a longer course where we go into much more in-depth work and where you can work either one-to-one -one with people or maybe in small groups with people. So it's not training NLP, but it's using the skills to help people. Yeah. And then the Master Practitioner is where we do what's called a full NLP modeling project. So you said this has all come from all the skills we've learned in NLP has come from modeling human excellence. And we're going to teach you how to model human excellence so you can create your own models and your own methodology, if you like. Cool. And that, that is exactly what I've done within my music teaching business. So I'm no longer involved in finance. Oh, OK, excellent. And I'm full time with music. The NLP for me has been a, a toolbox a go-to toolbox where I can unpick not only how I think and how I play and how other people play, but how my students limit themselves in the way that they think about the music, about playing and their own abilities. What's been your experience of challenging beliefs like that? Well, I've come from one, probably the shyest person you'd ever meet, low self-esteem, learning issues, dyslexic, and all those wonderful things that life throw at you. Uh, so I kind of get the music thing because when you're playing music, it's a very personal thing. It's an expression of self. Yeah. And um, and you do come up against yourself. And I think the biggest place I ever come up against my own beliefs was singing because I couldn't hide behind an instrument. It's kind of like I, I was that guy who <laughs> going, oh, no, I can't sing, but ended up fronting a band for whatever reason. I uh, did notice enthusiasm helps a lot at that point. <laughs> That's fabulous. And I know you've mentioned your dyslexia already. Has NLP helped you working around that situation for yourself? Yeah. Now, so what was interesting, I attended a, way, way, way back now, I attended a practice group, an NLP practice group, and they were doing something called the spelling strategy. And it says, anybody... Come, anybody not great at spelling I, for whatever reason I put my hand up <laughs> the last thing I'd really want to do was actually admit that to anybody that you can't spell um, but from that they were kind of explore some ideas and I went home and I suddenly had this realisation that 
dyslexia had affected my whole life in sorts of strange ways. You know, I'm a young man. I'm in my early 20s at that point. And um, I realized it was affected the jobs I'd go for. So I'd always went for kind of minimum wage, sort of low end type jobs. The people I talked to, the um, asking people out for dates, you know, it's kind of it affected every area of my life. And I kind of went, but that's to do with spelling. Why would that affect every area of my life? <laughs> so that was kind of a turning point around for me. So I started to work on that belief about dyslexia. Uh, I've now published four books. And um, just first ones were just to prove that I could do something. <laughs> uh, so I now see dyslexia as a gift. It's a, it's a different way of thinking, for sure. And I spend my life communicating, writing, etc. And there's still challenges there. But I would say anything that kind of holds you back can actually be your strength at the same time. Yeah, I'm putting my NLP head on from. I think that's a powerful reframe. See the the oddness, if you like, the unconventional way in which you think about words and spelling as a gift. And you've got to tell me a little bit more about reframing so that I can pass that on to our listeners. Yeah. So um, when you when you've got something, say, maybe holding you back or a limitation, it's a limitation because it's it's essentially how you think about it. So change your thinking, change your response. So an example of that is a, a book by Malcolm Gladwell. He's got a book called out called oh, David and Goliath, the story of the underdog. Right. Uh, now, the story of David and Goliath, as we know, is that you've got this Goliath guy, is this huge guy who has all everything going for him. Um, nobody can beat him. And David, this small little kid that takes on this giant and the reframe around that is that which one had the advantage? Because everybody thinks it's Goliath. But in Malcolm Gladwell's book, which is a, a wonderful reframe around it, he said, no, 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 David was the one at an advantage because Goliath was expecting to fight somebody in armor, huge guy. And David, being a shepherd, could had a slingshot with, and could fire a stone faster than a bullet, so with deadly accuracy. Goliath never stood a chance. David was the one that had the advantage. And yeah. that's what reframing is. So what you do, you take something that's holding you back and you think about it in a different way. So there's a gentleman called David Freeman, who's the, not the actor, but another famous guy that you've never heard of, who <laughs> essentially makes... <laughs> Hollywood movies work. And I come across him because one of his quotes said, he said, you know the thing that made you weird as a kid? Mm -hmm. He said, the trick to life is making life pay you for that. <laughs> yeah, I could go for that. Totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> the pig-headed stubbornness and the oddball way that I think has changed my life uh, once I accepted it as being a positive rather than a limiting factor, which is largely down to reframing and reconsidering all my beliefs as part of the process of gaining my practitioner's certificate with you. Yes, no, absolutely. Incredibly useful for me. Uh, there have been too many instances of the last 12 years that NLP has been massively useful to me. It's been extremely lucrative to me. 
I want to thank you for for what you've done by training me. But how do other people get access to you? This is really what I want to get across now. <laughs> right, how do they find you? <laughs> well, there, there's um, several ways you can uh, contact us. One is at nlpcourses.com, which is the main website. And there's a whole range of information there. There, we also have uh, an NLP mini course on there, which is a free video course that you can download. And just like yourself, we also have an podcast. And on the podcast is called the NLP show, uh, NLPcourses.com show. And you can find that on iTunes, just like this one. Cool. So NLPcourses.com, and they'll find you there. There's loads of great stuff. Yes. And a portal where they can go further. Cool. So I'm going to pick your brains here. As a teacher, what would be three key NLP-based strategies that would be immediately useful to improve a teacher's communication and impact with students? Right. No so, pressure, John. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my default ways for going for learning and looking at communication at the same time would be Alan Badley's work around memory, because if you're a teacher or any communicator, you want your message to stick. So what he has is a learning equation, which I think is a great equation and a good communication equation as well, which is this salience times repetition equals learning. Salience times repetition equals learning. Now, salience means how important it is to you how relevant it is to you. So for example, if you're teaching a scale out of context, you know how your students love doing scales. <laughs> Strangely mine do, but I'll get around yeah. to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you make it relevant and you, you show them the inside secrets of scales where it opens up a world of creativity, it becomes relevant to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so. One of the underutilized things within all learning, I think, is repetition connected with salience. Yeah. yeah. The other thing to do is update your identity of who you see yourself as. So there's a point where you've been learning where you're, you see yourself as a beginner guitarist or your students see themselves as beginners. Yeah. How do you, as a teacher then update their identity so they see themselves. Now, in NLP, we have a technique called the swish pattern, where we say to the brain, this is the old me, this is the new me. This is the old me, this is the new me. So how you can do that linguistically is that, so you've been playing for six months, you used to be a beginner, and now you're becoming competent. So that's an identity shift. And as a teacher, you can install that in your students. Cool. Uh, third one yeah. would be something in NLP we call submodalities, which is how we think, not what we think, but how we think. So if somebody doesn't like practicing, for example, but wants to play, mm -hmm. how they think about practicing will affect them actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're thinking about practice as a small, dim, little picture in your mind then that's not very motivating. But if you see it as big, bright, colorful, moving picture, you're more likely to take action. So 
Notice that's how you think about it, not necessarily what you're thinking about. Yeah, and I use a little NLP reframe about practice because I understand the semantic loading of the word is that it's... Yes. You know, if I say you've got to practice, well, I'm using compulsive language. Yes. You've got to do it. And practice for most people is loaded with grayness. It's endless. It's pretty joyless activity. So especially with teenagers, what I ask them to do is don't practice this week. I forbid you to practice this week. If they're polar yes. responders, they're going to go, screw you. I'm going to play my guitar. Yes. What I suggest they do instead is, I'm going to say, you mustn't practice this week. But you're allowed to plug your guitar and make a boatload of noise and drive your parents up the wall. <laughs> and they grin, just like you're doing now. <laughs> and I've had phone calls asking them from parents, asking me how I get the kids to shut up the week after they contacted me to say, how do I get into practice? Excellent. A fantastic flip, which actually comes from your stuff. Yes. Yeah, language makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yes. So, cool. John, I know you're a massively busy guy because I know you're a busy family man as well. And I always keep my podcast nice and short. I would ask everyone listen to this to follow up, take action, and get in touch with you via nlpcourses.com because whatever you spend on your courses, however much time or money you invest in yourself, it will pay you back multiple returns. Can you just tell us that address again? So nlpcourses.com. And there's a whole team backing you up. There's not just a one-man band. I know there's Bernadette and the rest of the team there yeah. taking care of business. And your books. Where do we find your books? Uh, the, uh, my, my newest book is on Amazon, and it's called Unlock the Power of Stories, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. We're talking about reframing throughout this process, and that book is about if you change what you say about what you do, your life will transform. Absolutely fantastic. Cool. Now, we're about out of time for today. I'm looking forward to speaking to you again very soon. I want to thank you very much for taking the time with me this morning and to get your message across to our listeners. Because I thank know you, from my own personal experience, you're a great trainer, a wonderful guy, thoroughly good egg. Uh, and, and the toolbox that you gave me has been worth seven figures. <laughs> Excellent. I, I can't vouch for it strongly enough. So any last words, John, before you well, sign off? Thanks to everyone taking the time to listen. And Neil, you're a wonderful guy, full of enthusiasm. So thanks for this opportunity. It's a great pleasure for me. Cool. John Cassie Rice, thank you very much. Bye, then. Well, there you go. I hope you got a lot out of that. As I said, John is a nice guy. He's on the level. And NLP is an applied technology for teachers like us. It's just a no-brainer. You've got to get it in your tool bag. If it's not there yet, get it there. If it is there, brush it off and make sure you can use it day in, day out with no effort to affect the change you want for your students. Well, that about wraps it up for today. Next episode, episode 45, I'm going to be talking about courage and response to some feedback from one of our uh, listeners. How to conquer the fear that stops you from doing the things that you know you should do and that will be of great advantage and utility to you. So join me on the next episode of the Tudor Podcast. I'm Neil and this is the Tudor Podcast. Have a fabulous day. 
Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes, and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate, and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow, and love their tutoring businesses. 